Hey everybody, welcome to Views on View. I am Lindsay Wardell and today with me is Dean. Hello from Christchurch, New Zealand, where summer has finally arrived. Yay, I'm in Portland where rain has arrived again. Again. <laughs> again, all week, all last week. Springboard offers the first online self-paced software engineering bootcamp with a job guarantee. Become a software engineer or get your money back. You'll be mentored by senior software engineer or technical leader who has worked at companies like Microsoft, Intuit, and Amazon. Springboard has helped graduates increase their salary by an average $25,000 a year. Make a risk-free investment in yourself and apply now. For a limited time, use the code JABBER, unique to our podcast listeners, to get $500 off the course. That's springboard.com. So today it's just both of us. For our episode today, we would just like to talk to you about some of the things that we're working on in Vue, some of the technologies that we're using, what interests us as we're working with Vue in our uh, daily work. Dean, would you like to start with one of your applications? Yeah, yeah so we we had, a, I think, two episodes, I guess, airing-wise, two episodes ago, we spoke about Cordova, and I've had a number of Cordova apps that I've done in Vue, which is a lot of fun because I love how productive I am in Vue, and just adding the Cordova layer just really opens up a lot of uh, possibilities with mobile apps. One of the big ones I did is a deals app similar to, to, to Groupon. Christchurch is full of small businesses. One thing I love about the city here is that you, you can move over here and if you've got a good idea for a business like a bar or, I don't know, a decorating company, the, most of the businesses I hear, I hear I'd say are um, actually small businesses. They're not big chains or anything like that. So it's a it's a phenomenal place for opportunity and it's why I started my company when I moved over here. There, there is a deals app here called Grab One, which is very similar to Groupon. Groupon's here as well, but it's not quite as popular. But the, the common thread that we hear from businesses here is that how expensive uh, those services are because to lose 30% of your the actual ticket price to, to as, a, as a commission, but then also having to do a discount ends up making, making it so it's pretty much just advertising. You're not really, you're giving away your services for free. And that was a big pain point. And we decided that, hey, let's do something that's fixed fee monthly. I started looking at technology and ended up settling on uh, Vue as a front end just because I really enjoy using it and had the opportunity. I think it was one of my first com- real commercial Vue projects. And then we used Firebase in the back end, just allowed us to move really, really quickly, uh, which was great. And Cordova, obviously, because we wanted a mobile app. Originally, we, we experimented with PWA, but we just found having a Vue store listing is just kind of handy. I know you can do a PWA on the Google App Store, but not quite there on iPhones. And in general, PWA is not fun on iPhone. So yeah, uh, just Firebase. And, and Firebase is a phenomenal technology that has really just helped me in a lot of projects move really quickly. And I, I first used it back in Angular JS, Angular 1.x days. It was, it, it was good, and, and the wrappers for Firebase were, were pretty good. The nice thing about Vue is I find I, I don't use a wrapper at all with Firebase anymore, and, I, and it's one of the things I like about Vue is that dropping in existing JavaScript libraries is a lot easier. Do you find that yourself, Lindsay? Yeah, I was, I was actually going to ask if you had any trouble integrating Firebase in, because when I was playing with Firebase in Vue, I ran into a few articles that were saying, oh, it's a little complicated, you need to do this, that, the other thing. I didn't have that experience. I was able to just drop it in, put in the configuration file, and import what I needed into each of the components, and it just worked fine. 
Yeah, that, that was my experience. And there, there's libraries like View Fire, but honestly, I, I found they were trying to do too much for me and just literally doing an import Firebase at the top of the script. The way I used it is I created a just basically an, an init script that I included in my main JS. And that took care of setting up a few variables that I exported out of that. And then I just referenced those variables using imports in my Vuex files so that I could just easily get to the collections I wanted. I just had a reference to each Firestore. I used Firestore, not the, the real-time database. And yeah, it was really, really simple. The real-time snapshot information comes through well. Yeah, I found it really easy. I actually, I pretty much Firestore authentication is my go-to authentication system because I do a lot of Firestore, Firebase projects. Firebase authentication, not Firestore. And it's just very easy to use. I've used Ortho, and that's fantastic too. But I guess my default is just going Firebase because it just works and easy to set up. Nice. And with Google, with the Firebase authentication, you can use different login methods as well, right? Because you, you could either do an email and password, or you could sign in with Google or Facebook, right? Yeah, absolutely. I believe it's got Twitter. I might be wrong. But yeah, there's, there, there is at least a few um, of them, yeah, which is really nice. nice. Yeah, that's actually probably the one gotcha with using Cordova and Firebase authentication. You do have to use Cordova plugin for that. Like if you're using the email and password um, authentication, there's no need to have a Cordova plugin involved because it's just HTTP requests back and forth. But the minute you use social login, the, the phone won't return you back to the app without the Cordova plugin, which just basically interfaces with not sure what API on the phone it is, but it's basically where there's a like a, a website can say, "Hey, you need to go back to the Beanstalk app or whatever app it is and pass this data through to it." Were there any other gotchas you had with integrating uh, Firebase and Cordova, or was that just the main one? I went down a weird track when it came to notifications. Um, I was trying to get. I, I used a service called OneSignal and. Yeah, getting the notifications to work was a little bit weird. And part of me wishes I'd just gone and used native Firestore notifications. One, one signal had an interesting uh, feature that we were, were really keen to use for geolocation, had a geo query. So basically, whenever a user logged into the app, it would, it would track where they are and keep a reference to where they are. And the idea was whenever a deal got posted, it would notify everyone within a certain radius because a lot of our businesses were like cafes and they wanted to, let's say they had food in the cabinets, some cakes and that kind of stuff they really wanted to get rid of. At four o'clock in the afternoon, they could do like, hey, we, we, we're literally giving these away, like 50 to yeah. 80% off because cabinet food, you can't have it overnight. So they were doing massive discounts and we thought it'd be really cool to do a notification to people in the area I don't know, people People are really fussy with notifications and, and they turn them off really quickly if you're a bit too noisy. We had that happen. So we ended up disabling the feature because we, fe we felt if too many people switch off notifications because we're being noisy, we can't get them the information they really want. So we decided that let's not be noisy for now. <laughs> right. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. How about you? Do you have any other questions on that project or... Nothing that I can think of specifically. It sounds like it's doing well, which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah, it's slowly growing. So um, hoping that this is going to be a good year. We haven't done any advertising on it, so hopefully this year we'll be we'll do some advertising pushing and it'll be successful. 
Nice. Is that yeah. something that you can share here what the name is? Yeah, it's Beanstalk app. It's only available in Christchurch at the moment because we're pretty small and just trying to get businesses on board. And there's no point in going global until you've got actually places. I mean, it'd be awesome to get into America and get into some markets there. But our focus is doing really well in Christchurch and then expanding city by city here until hopefully being nationwide. Nice. That sounds great. Yeah. So how about you? What kind of projects are you working on? One of the interesting projects that I've worked on in the past, unfortunately, it's not, I'm not working on it right now. I feel like it's one of my more interesting view applications was I was building a card game. The name is called Star Commander. I have a website for it, but it's out of date. So don't go there. Okay. (laughs) But what I wanted to do as I was building out the card game, I was having this issue of I keep making physical cards, going to do a test, needing to make changes to the cards and making new ones. And because... And because my friends were all into Magic the Gathering or other board and card games, they were typically wanting nice cards, not just pieces of paper stuffed on into card sleeves with backs or something. Yeah. So I was, I was typically running to either Office Depot or getting cardstock myself and printing everything out, yeah. which could get very expensive. When I was first working on the game, I, was, I went to Office Depot and it cost at least $50 to get the whole thing printed out on just 80-pound cardstock. Wow, that, that's, that's expensive prototypes. Yeah, it was, it was far too expensive. It worked great, but it was too expensive. So I decided I was going to build an application that would I would be able to just enter in the card data, put in the pictures, if I, if I grabbed some pictures, and I'd be able to just play it right there on the computer. So I started up a ViewCLI application. I grabbed Electron using the ViewCLI plugin for Electron. Let me grab that for later. And just started going to town with it, just working on all of building your deck, getting all of the images loading properly for different sizes. And then the real trick was getting it to work on a local area network. Because the idea was I would be having, I would be on my laptop, my other tester would be on their laptop, and we'd be able to play each other without seeing each other's uh, hands or anything. That's really interesting. So how do you solve that? So in my case, what I did, because with Electron, you have a main process and a renderer process. A renderer process can have access to all of the node APIs if you want it to. So what I did is I had one renderer process, which was the game itself, the the UI, so you could build your deck, you could see the queue and get into the game itself. And then I started a second renderer process if you decided to host the game. And on that one, all I did was start an express server at a a particular port number. And then I started socket.io on that server to pass game information back and forth between the two players. So one player would host the game, start up the, the server on their local machine. The second player would, in, in their multiplayer window, would be able to see all of the available games. because it, it would be scanning the network on that one port to see if there were any changes, if there, were any, anything, if there was anything running on it. And then they'd be able to join the game. They would send a message to Socket.io. Socket.io would respond and say, yep, there's a game. Here's the information. You're in. And then both players would be in the same instance of the game. And at that point, data was just being passed between the two using Socket.io, just using different events to say, I drew a card, I played a card, I moved this piece, things like that. Oh, that's awesome. That, that, that sounds like a fun project that you probably need to get back on at some stage. I really do. Unfortunately, I was using an older version of Electron, and I tried to update and it broke. So I'm going to have to uh, start things over again to an extent. But that's yeah. okay, because it, it was a lot of fun the first time. Yeah, I think, I can't remember if it was a recent episode that we did, or, or maybe I'm thinking of something else, but there's an alternative to Electron called NWJS. 
And yeah. I've I've heard I, I remember that Electron at one stage was based off NWJS and maybe has moved a bit further away, but I've heard that NWJS is actually a lot nicer to use these days. I will take a look at that again. When when I was looking at it, it felt like it was on its way out. But that was mostly yeah. because everyone was so excited about Electron. Yeah, yeah. And I think that it kind of got a little bit of a boost recently. I know that I when I was looking at it, it was probably similar to when you were looking at where Electron felt like it was going a little bit further ahead. And then I think six months after that, I looked at it again and was like, oh, NWJS seems to be doing a little bit better. But mm-hmm. apparently now, now it's even getting better and better. So might be might be a good one to look at. Yeah, I'll take a look at that. So with Socket.io then, I believe that that has a pretty decent like real-time or do you have to pretty much handle the real-time itself or does, does it have something built in for you? So with Socket.io, that provides the real-time. It's just using yeah. WebSockets and yep. just passing information. So on one machine, I'm, I'm looking at the code right now. So in one machine, for example, I have a this.socket.emit update game state in quotes, just like you would uh, if you're using Vuex and you were doing a dispatch. Yeah. So this.socket.emit update game state, and then I pass which player is being updated and then the data for that particular player. Oh, that makes sense, yeah. And then on, and that just goes out to the, the Express web server, which is on your local machine. And when the when Socket.io receives that data, it then transmits it transmits it to every other connection to that same room. The way Socket.io works, and I think they still describe it this way, is just having like rooms and channels. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in this case, I wasn't worried about channels. I was just in a single room, and anybody who's in that room besides the person who sent the message then gets that message. So when I update my state, it goes to Socket.io. Socket.io receives it and then transmits it to everybody else. And then in, in the client, it then has a, a listener. I don't remember. I'm not seeing a listener in front of me at the moment. But it has like this.socket.on and then the message that it's listening for and then what to do. Oh, great. This, it's these kind of scenarios where I feel like Vuex and, and good state management really comes in very handy because I could imagine you could have really one state that the entire app runs off of and whether, you, whether you're hosting or non-hosting, and using something like Socket.io to keep that state in sync would, would kind of make life a lot easier. I'm assuming that that's state management is something that I find sometimes challenging to, to explain to a new developer that hasn't really worked with it. They, they, especially if they come from a, like a jQuery background where, where they're like used to doing a lot of manual changes. The whole concept of react, reactivity is sometimes difficult for them to get their heads around. But once they see it in action and they're like, there's, I, I can always see a light bulb moment where they're like, oh, state management, reactivity, this makes life a whole bunch easier. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's awesome to see that connection happen. And I'm, su- I'm assuming this project would be perfect for that. It was, yeah. yeah. This, was, this, was, this was one of my early projects in Vue. And it got me through a lot of, of that learning that needed to happen with state management. One of the most popular pairings for Vue on the front end is Laravel or PHP on the back end. If you're setting up and running a PHP app, then why hassle with all the back end config? Instead, count on Cloudways. Cloudways provides a solution that will have you up and running quickly. They offer exceptional performance and reliability and 24-7 support. So your website or your web app, which is probably crucial to your business, will run in an environment designed for it. Go run it on Cloudways. If you use the code DEVCHAT, you'll get 30% off for three months. Do you have any other projects that you'd like to talk about? Yes, yeah, so I've got a few that I 
noted down two two interesting current, current projects going on. One of them is for a warehousing company. They, I guess, warehousing slash freight. They they don't do freight themselves, but they they are warehousing for some uh, pretty big companies here, and they wanted a ticketing system for their customers to be able to basically raise a ticket for changing an address that for an or for delivery consignment delivery for making inquiries to why something wasn't delivered or something was damaged. One of the big things they have some like wine storage and and one of the big tickets that can be submitted was just a stock check. And they were using an existing ticketing system, which by the looks of it, looks like it was written for Windows XP. (laughs) (laughs) I love finding those. Yeah. And so they they just want to modernize. So we're we're building that out for them. So the ticketing system is not all that exciting, except for, I guess, I I plan on using some real-time stuff because they they obviously have the office staff and the warehousing staff. And we're planning on having a interface that would be running on a tablet down in the warehouse where they'd they'd get a notification for a stock check. So depending on the ticket type, it would go to different people and they'd be able to take take the device even take a photo of of it and um, we're going to use barcode scanners there's some uh, i need i will put into the show notes the barcode scanners that i've used in the past because there's some phenomenal integrations with view and barcode scanners where you can like hold it up to a barcode it will instantly run the event and then process your code against that barcode so you don't even have to like click buttons or anything like that just as soon as it lines up takes over. So Vue yeah. is using a, a camera or something at that point and, you, and it's just yeah. seeing the barcode in front of it? Yeah. So the only thing you have to do is allow, allow access to your camera. You, you can do this through a, a web app because the, that's the beauty of webcams becoming so popular and stuff like Google Hangouts is that the web, I think it's WebRT, I forget what the framework is, like just the, the APIs for video and, and audio have come so far on the web that they're really easy to use. And this barcode scanner wrapper that I implemented, that I've tested was so quick and easy to get up and running and really performant. And it reads QR codes or plain barcodes. You can store a pretty decent amount of information in a QR code, I have to say. So it's pretty cool. I like that. Yeah. And then the, the other aspect to the app is they they use some big freight companies which have APIs and that. So they have proof of delivery but they use a lot of small uh, freight companies who just literally don't have the budget to do any kind of proof of delivery systems. So mm-hmm. part of the part of the project is to have a, well, the whole project will actually be co- compiled into Cordova, but one, the primary part that will be used for mobile would be driver apps. So it would allow the driver to like basically pick up a consignment, scan the barcode for the consignment using the barcode scanner, and that would automatically bring up a map of where the destination is, even do... Google, Google driving directions for them or if they're on an iPhone, Apple Maps, and basically do navigation for them automatically. And then when they actually get there, there's so many signature plugins out there, but I test a signature plugin so that when they actually deliver, someone just signs on their, their mobile device using their finger or yeah. um, a stylus if they've got one, but also at that stage do, do a geolocation, so GPS hit so that it has a geolocation-based proof of delivery. And if someone's not there, they can take a picture. So there's like various ways of doing proof of delivery, both the geotagging, the photo, or signature. The geotagging probably for for anyone. The first time 
I had a delivery that went wrong where they had geotagging was such a pleasure. I called up the, the, the courier company. They said, they said, oh, it was delivered. And I said, I know it said it was delivered, but it's not here. And they did it. They went, went back to the proof of delivery check and they, and they looked up the address and they're like, oh, this was delivered two suburbs away from you to a completely unrelated address. I'm like, how do you know that? And they're like, oh, we, we geotag every delivery. I'm like, that is really cool. And so it was my suggestion when we worked with this client that, hey, you need to implement geotagging because it is phenomenally useful. And so they actually ended up sending the driver around to that house, picked up the package and then brought it back to us. So it was just, a, it was fantastic. And just being able to implement that kind of feature in a, essentially a web app. I mean, that view is designed for building web web apps and websites and that. So just using something like Cordova and like barcode scanners, it, you, you can do really interesting stuff with Vue if you just think out of the box and don't don't think of yourself as building a website. Think of yourself as I can build anything anyone else can build because I feel like there's enough of an ecosystem around Vue and the web in general to do that. I, I definitely agree with that. I remember, I don't remember when the quote came out, obviously, but there, there's that quote of eventually anything that can be written in JavaScript will be written in JavaScript. And yeah. as, as I was getting into Vue and JavaScript as a whole, I was like, yes, this makes sense. We have the tools. Vue is an excellent tool for building uh, a front end. It's f- good for building a single application on its own if you don't need to worry too much about uh, storing data. Yep. It's, it's excellent for building all of these things that we're dealing with on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, absolutely. I've been blown away by what you can do when you start thinking outside the box. It's it's very, very, very nice. So any other projects that you've got that are interesting at the moment? Sure. So I can't talk a ton about my current project. Uh, I did want to bring up one pattern because we talked a little bit about state management. So I just want to bring up a pattern that I thought was interesting for my current job. So we're using a Vue CLI application with a Vuex store. And we are heavily reliant on what is in that Vuex store. But the, the application has been in development for over a year at this point, and it's gone through iteration after iteration after iteration, and the store itself is starting to get a little more complex than we would like. It would take a lot to unravel it and set it back up in a way that makes more sense. So instead of doing that, what I started doing for our latest refactor was I just wrote a series of mix-ins with our computer properties with get and set, Inside of that, have you done that before? I haven't. So I was going to actually ask what you meant by mix-ins and maybe dive into that in case some of the listeners sure. are as ignorant of it as I am. So with Vue, you can write, at least currently in Vue, uh, Vue 2, uh, you can write a series of mix-ins. And what a mix-in is, is it's, it's just the same API that you would write. So data, computed, methods. I think you can do mounted and created in those as well. And that's in a separate file that you then import into your components. So for example, if I wrote a mix-in that can do one plus one, it's just a computer property return one plus one, I can then import that and insert it in the mix-ins tag in my component. So let's say it was an adding mix-in. So mix-ins, square brackets, adding mix-in. I then have access to that computed property. So that way you can write bits of view code that you then share across multiple components is is the idea. And to, to actually access that, you... You said you create a property. You, you you do a property on any kind of HTML element. Is that right? So this isn't inside of the view options API. When you're writing view and you've got the normal export default object, yeah. 
that is what you're exporting from your mixin. It's the same right. s- structure of object. And then when you import yeah. that using uh, a regular import statement, import app, add mixin from wherever, in your options API for this component, you then insert that in the mixins slot. Or not mixin slot. Oh, and then it inherits all mixin those. Mixin variable. Yeah, and then it inherits all of those computeds or methods or data, whatever it is that you needed to set. Okay, great. That's that's pretty handy because I, I, I'm going to definitely be using that because I found myself on a number of projects ending up having some similar stuff where it just doesn't fit a, a the Vux pattern. So mm-hmm. I don't really want to have everything going through common actions just because it just doesn't make sense. And mix-ins might be the, the right way to yeah. do what I'm, what I'm thinking of. Right. So oh, great. Well, what we're doing on top of the mix-ins is in, in the computed block, let's, let's say that we had something that was just trying to think of collections. Let's just call it collections. In our, mm-hmm. our Vuex store, we have a value that is collections. And then we have the action that's like, update collections, we have the mutation, set collections, we have the getter, get collections, all of the normal things you would have for, for a Vuex store. Yeah. Our store in this case is a lot more complicated than that because of all of its refactors and intricacies that have built up over the, over the months. But it's the same basic idea. So what yeah. we're doing in our mix-in is we'll then create a computed property that says current collections, for example. Yeah. And then in, inside of a computed property, instead of making that computed property a function that just returns something, you can manually add a get and a set onto that computed property. It's a, yeah. it's a standard JavaScript thing from, I think ES6 is when it came in. I don't remember. But for the get, we'd say return this.store.getters.getCollections. Yeah. And then on the set, we do this.store.dispatch.updateCollections value. Okay. That and that way, instead of having to write this dot store dot something, or bringing in map getters and map actions from Vuex, we just have a single mix in that handles the get and the set, and then we're able to bring in just current collections into all of our components and access it and write to it and V model it and everything without having to rewrite that code every single component. That's fantastic. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. So very cool. That was that was the pattern that we've been working on and it's been yeah. working out really well. It kind of rubs me the wrong way just because I started with Redux when I was really trying to get into the, the global state management and it doesn't follow that pattern of immutability or the... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, it, doesn't, it doesn't follow that same model that other things use. But yeah. it makes it really simple to work with the, the data in view because then yeah. you can use V models. You can use binding with sync. There, there's a lot of stuff that you can do with a single variable that you can't do as well with getters and actions from yeah. Vuex. Oh, that makes sense. I, I'm wondering if you've come across this, because this is a feature that I, I do miss from Angular, and I haven't spent too much time looking into it. It was called Directors in Angular, where basically you could put any, you could put a, what, I guess, a decorator property on any tag inside of an Angular app, and it would basically transform that tag in certain ways. And I'm wondering if there's any kind of feature like that in view that I'm missing that you know of. What would, uh, what would that do? So an example would be if you wanted a, a specific click action on multiple, I guess, different, it might be a button, it might be a div, it might be a span, but you wanted, mm-hmm. always wanted the same click function to happen. I could do um, like my-click-function as a property on any tag and it would basically import like click click events it would 
import oh, star, okay. star, styles potentially. So it would basically transform, do a bunch of transforms on that data. And I haven't really found anything, but in all fairness, there's other ways to do a lot of this in, in view. So it's potentially not even something we need to worry about. But I'm wondering if, if there's anything that you've found that is like that. I haven't looked into it myself. What it kind of sounds like to me is a custom directive. I think that's probably what it, what it, yeah. I mean, that's what it was called in Angular is directive. So I haven't used directives in view. I haven't made one myself yet, but now I'm going to do it because we're talking about it. Yeah. Uh, but that's that's what it sounds like to me is uh, a custom directive. Okay, so cool. You could, yeah. you could write something that's like V, my click instead. Yep. That's exactly the whole idea. I'm, I'm looking at the docs real quick, but that's that's what it looks like to me. Okay, cool. And they can watch bind, inserted, update, a whole bunch of yeah, stuff. Well, yeah, that sounds like that would actually solve it. So I think that, yeah, there's, a, there's some homework for, for me as well. Hey folks, this is Charles Maxwood and I just launched my book, The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. It's up on Amazon. We self-published it. I would love your support. If you want to go check it out, you can find it there. The Max Coder's Guide to Finding Your Dream Developer Job. Have a good one. Max out. Awesome. So I think we are ready to move on to picks unless there's something else you'd like to talk about. No, I think, yeah, I think picks is, picks is good. Right. What is your pick today, Dean? All right, so I have two picks. My technical pick is actually Firebase. We spoke about it today just, just because of how quickly you can get stuff done in it. I, I don't think it's actually only for prototyping because I have a number of live systems that have been using Firebase. And it just gives you so many different features. There's static hosting that is CDN-based, so that's just built into Firebase. You get that for free. And that's the other really handy thing about Firebase is you can actually use the free version of, of it for pretty decent-sized projects. So if you're just trying to experiment with something, you're not sure if it's going to go anywhere, you don't have to spend a whole bunch of money on hosting. So Firebase has the authentication, static um, hosting of your website. It has serverless functions in the form of Google Cloud Functions. It has the object store, so like for images and that kind of stuff built in. Uh, it has a phenomenal range of analytics. It picks not enough time to go into the analytics side of things. So, but check it out. Firebase is is really really powerful. And then obviously the authentication. I think I mentioned that twice now. But yeah, it is really really nice. My non technical pick is a bit of a weird one. It's SodaStream because I am not a big Love water. That. I'm not a big water drinker. Um, and I know that water is important, and you have to drink water. But we got a soda machine, stream machine, and I've just been carbonating the water, and that is what I drink. And I've been drinking so much more water, and it's just you just feel so much better when you drink water. I know that carbonated water has some acidic properties and that kind of stuff, so it's not quite as good as just plain old still water, but it's a lot better than soda. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I that's a, my pick. I have a friend that has the soda stream, and I love when we go over there and can drink that. Makes yeah. everything really nice. Yeah. So I have two picks. They are both technical, though. My first is a brand new tool that came out called Mirage JS. Have you heard about this, Dean? I have not, no. So I haven't gotten to play with it yet, but the way it builds itself is build complete front-end features even if your API doesn't exist. It's an API mocking library that lets you build, test, and share a complete working JavaScript application without having to rely on any back-end services. I saw a post on Reddit for this last year, late last year, Mm -hmm. And basically, the premise is it'll capture any of your 
HTTP requests and transfer it to its own server, which is just running in your client. So you'll be able to do any testing. You'll be able to fetch example data. You'll be able to test what a a failure would look like because you can tell it sometimes fail. Yeah, that's Um, cool. Stuff stuff like that. It's really neat. And it, it just released for the public to use in the last week or two as of recording. There's also an episode of... Full Stack Radio with Adam Wathen, where he's talking to somebody about this. I think it was the creator. I haven't listened to it yet. That's one pick because it looks really awesome. My my other pick is I have been playing recently with Elm, the Elm programming language. It's a purely functional client-side language. builds itself as delightful. As a way to learn it, I have been reading Elm in Action by Richard Feldman. He is one of the developers at No Red Ink, which is the big company that uses Elm. And it's been an excellent book to dive into the Elm language and learn more about it. That is my other pick. Any other thoughts, Dean? No, no. The, the Mirage.js one sounds pretty interesting. Do you know off the top of your head if it um, integrates with anything like, oh, what's it called? There's a, there's a data generation library that works with Faker, I think it's called. Faker. And, yeah, Faker.js. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm wondering if Mirage integrates with that because that'd be really handy if like, it could not only like mock your server connection, but then actually generate fake data. Um, and obviously, you could probably plug it in, but... Yeah, I think you can plug it in just looking at the intro videos. They're just essentially putting in an array with some data. So I think That's you can put anything that you're wanting. Yeah. I mean, honestly, Faker.js would be a great pick as well, because if you're ever in a position where you're trying to mock out a ton of data that actually looks real... Fake is fantastic. I actually did it for the freighting company. I generated like 100,000 records with addresses and names of companies. And it does really, really cool stuff. I'll put it into the show notes as well for that because Faker.js is something that people should know about if they don't. I definitely second that. I've used it in uh, some examples that I've done. I was just able to pull in random data and just throw it in. It's excellent. Yeah. Awesome. Well, if that is it, I think that's it for our show today. Hope everybody enjoyed. You can find out more about Views on View on Twitter or on our website, viewsonview.com. And hope you enjoyed the show. Have a good week. Thanks, everyone. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y.com to learn more.